it's the depth and density of like our identity and our history that for me is like being a Latinx person mm-hmm. because a lot of people can't swallow it and so they'll reject it and a lot of people don't know it so they don't feel like they can step into it and so I think that's why our mission is our mission, because we want people to be able to step into it. Latinx Heritage Month is quickly approaching, a time that celebrates the cultures, contributions, and resilience of Latinx, Hispanic, and Latino-identified communities around the world. On this week's episode, we have something special for our dedicated listeners. We touched back with the ladies behind La Reva Books. We first met them last October when they stopped by, and you can find that article on RadioMilwaukee.org. And later on, I speak with our director of giving and advancement, Alma Velez, on her journey into making Milwaukee her home and a few recommendations on how to spend your time in Milwaukee this month. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fatayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. Barba and Valera Cerda, the sister duo behind Lereva Books, Milwaukee's Latinx BIPOC-focused bookstore, are here in the studio to talk about Hispanic Heritage Month. But first, ladies, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how Hispanic Heritage Month needs a rebrand, starting off with the word Hispanic, given that that term for some people has a connection with Spain and colonization. And also those individuals with African and indigenous roots often feel left out of that conversation. So to start off, how do you both identify? Barba is speaking first. I use Latinx Heritage Month mm-hmm. because it is more inclusive than Hispanic uh, Heritage Month. For example, you know, Brazil is in Latino America mm-hmm. um, and they are not, you know, considered Hispanic. So I do use Latinx Heritage Month and I encourage people to also use Latinx Heritage Month. A Hispanic is like the government name. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I personally, I think when I know when people ask me, like, where are you from? I just say I'm from Mexico because I know that's what Mm -hmm. they really want to know. So I just identify as Mexican. But I I do identify as Latina. But I think and then at some point I feel like my identity changed. I'm like, I'm Chicana. No, Mm -hmm. I'm Mexican-American. So right now at this moment, I'm Mexican. And when you say that, you know, you're Mexican or Latina, what does that mean? For me as a Palestinian, I always go back to the term resistance. But what does a Latina woman mean to you? Oh, that's a a question. I think to be Latina for me is I think it's more than like the geography, because that's what the word is defined as like the geography. But for me, I think it's the culture and like struggle that's behind being Latina and kind of what our ancestors have gone through for mm-hmm. us to be able to claim that and say that proudly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I completely get that. Thank you, ladies, again for coming back uh, for another book talk. This year, I've asked if you guys could provide our listeners with books that they can read during Latinx Heritage Month, and you both did not hold back. To start off, if someone wanted to read fiction and maybe step back into time, what book would you recommend? So... The two historical fictions that I could think of that I had a lot of fun with. The first one I actually read as an audiobook, and I enjoyed it because it's told in the perspective of two people. So one is an Irish soldier, and then the second perspective is a Mexican curandera, which is a healer. And the book is called A Ballad of Love and Glory by Reina Grande. 
And it takes place during the Mexican-American War, which is during the time where the border moved. So when Texas and New Mexico, Arizona, California, they were all part of Mexico. And then through a treaty, which was done, like, unknowingly by the people, you know, the, the, the general didn't tell anyone. He was trying to mm-hmm. make sure he wasn't exiled again. So he he made a deal with the United States and was like, take these states, take half of our territory, leave us alone. So Ballad of Love and Glory is about that war. But the the plot is basically the Irish soldier and the curandera in the beginning live separate lives. And then at some point they intersect. And if one thing people may or may not know about the Mexican-American War that happened in um, the mid-1800s is that uh, a lot of Irish soldiers who used to work, who used to fight for the United States actually defected and went to Mexico because of the way they were being treated mm. by Los Yankees. So um, it was it was really eye-opening, and I felt like I learned a lot. His, just one, historically, but two, also about other people's people, like Irish soldiers, and so... It was a lot, but it was really good. Yeah. Can you re-say the, the title and the author again? Yeah. Ballad of Love and Glory by Reina Grande. And let's just say someone wants to take that historical approach, but more on an academic level. There's something that they really want to study. They're not really well versed on this topic. What would you recommend someone that wants to take a deep dive in history? So one that's like, it's called Mexico's Nobodies. And that's actually about Afro-Mexican soldiers and particularly women mm. who fought in the Mexican Revolution. Barbara can share some nuggets about actually the uh, slavery being abolished in Mexico way before the United States did it. But I think it was like, what, year 18? Yeah, it was in 1810, around this time, when Miguel Hidalgo uh, issued the Cry of Dolores, they went to war. He he asked for, you know, the Mexican, like, indigenous people to rise up against the Spanish government who was trying to come in and take over Mexico. And they, they went into Guanajuato and, like, messed up the place. Like, it was, you know, a lot of people died. They went into this kind of, like, building. I can't ex- remember exactly what it's called, but it's it was this building where there were sh- soldiers mm-hmm. in there. And, you know, they killed the soldiers, but then they also killed a lot of civilians. So, you know, in order to gain, like, you know, uh, kind of like, uh, what was it? Like popular, popular support. Popular support. Miguel Hidalgo Costilla uh, issued a decree to abolish slavery. Mm. Uh, so then he got um, more supporters to come and fight um, against the, um, you know, the Spanish government to, to claim independence from, um, for Mexico to claim independence from Spain. So that happened in 1810 and Mexico was the first, you know, country, uh, I guess, to abolish slavery. And then later that was like implemented in the, during the Mexican revolution, then it like became law. That's amazing. I actually had no idea about that. So thank you so much for that nugget of information. And I'm excited to maybe dive into those books to learn a bit more. You know, since we're speaking about history, why do you think it's important to read these type of books during this month and beyond? It's important to dive into this. And maybe you're not like a historian. Maybe you don't like to learn so much about history. But I think there's you can find historical fictions where like it is more easily digested to maybe someone who is maybe not really wanting to dive into an academic book. But if you are right, cool. And you could probably find sets of people who would read it with you. But I think it's important that people know that the 
culture we have is not just like something you can get at a taco truck you know right mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it and it's sometimes really frustrating to kind of see like that's the way like we're perceived and so and also like latino you know history month is like more than than mexican history right but mm-hmm. it's also multicultural right it's it's all of latino america right mm-hmm. and and that includes the caribbean Right. Yeah, something that you said yesterday, Valera, that I remember was, you know, we we don't have to like dig into these like super dense like historical novels. Like we can read stories about like the Latino experience. I recently read this book, um, Neruda on the Park, which was about a Dominican family in New York that was experiencing gentrification, mm-hmm. and um, you know, essentially like where the daughter was like super assimilated work for this like mm-hmm. um you know top law firm in New York and and her neighborhood you know where she grew up in where they immigrated from the Dominican Republic and um that neighborhood is being gentrified mm-hmm. and the mom is like struggling with this uh so they they definitely like clash in the uh, clash in the story and um the daughter is actually dating the developer that is developing oh, wow. the neighborhood drama. so it is like <laughs> absolute drama it is chaotic um and that 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 book was released this year and it is by Clevis Natera and that is Neruda on the Park oh that actually sounds really interesting i really want to read yeah, that you have yeah. to read because like even stuff that's happening now is like history in the making like gentrification is a real thing about latino history Mm -hmm. month you know small communities people dating developers like and being in a professional setting is also like also part of you know latinx history month what about the kids let's talk about the kids this is a good opportunity for people to know about their history or like you said other communities and cultures I know you guys um, always sometimes cater to children as well that's what I love about La Reva books it's not just for adults it's not just for teens it's for all age groups what book do you think kids should get into this month yeah one book that I read with my daughter um, recently is called Child of the Flower Song People Um, and it is a story about um, an indigenous woman. Her name was Luz Jimenez, um, and she is the indigenous woman that famous painters like Diego Rivera painted in their paintings. So this is a story about her and how kind of she like struggled, you know, through school or kind of, you know, it it was about her childhood and how she grew, you know, grew up. Um, and became this like person that you know fo- that that you know, these famous painters were painting, um, and uh, I really like that book because the illustrations are by uh, Duncan Tonatio, and he is the the illustrations uh, look like the like the Aztec like drawings, like they're from the side, oh, okay. and like the ears are like kind of look like backwards threes like oh, it's wow, it's very yeah. it's a very distinct way that okay. he like illustrates and then he uses like actual like samples to you know for skin color or he'll take a picture of a gene for like if he has a you know uh he'll take a picture of the gene and then he'll put it in the illustrations a lot of his books are um are like are illustrated in that format and he was in Milwaukee oh it's amazing a couple of, like some time ago I'm actually reading a book right now titled I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. She was a child actress and part of Nickelodeon. Um, And it just like really made me think about how much I love memoirs because I can recall things and reflect about my own life through the experience of other people, through the lens of other people um, and really make that connection. 
So do you have a recommendation of a memoir on the list that you can recommend to our listeners for this month? Yes. So another book that I read this year, I read. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've been reading. (laughs) Another book that I read this year, it was called A Love Letter to My Brother Juan. And it is this beautiful story um, by Maria Elena Scott, who is from Wisconsin. Um, She was you know, put up for adoption at the border um, by her mom. And her journey is, you know, her and her, well, her and her brother were put up for adoption at the border. At one point they were separated because she was adopted. Mm. So it's it's like a, a, a story about her journey to find her brother, but then also to try to figure out, you know, what happened to her mother, who her father was, and, you know, kind of documenting that life of what it's like to be, um, you know, adopted and adopted into a white family, mm. um, you know, being a, a Mexican person. So that is a really beautiful book. Oh, that sounds so heartbreaking, but also beautiful. And I feel like just even by looking at your face that it was impacted you. It definitely um, did. It was um, it was really impactful because, you know, we hear about these uh, these stories about like orphanages or we see like mm-hmm. movies about orphanages. So it was just like my first time that I had read about somebody's like actual experience and you know just like thinking that like one point like oh my god this could be and like one of us or something but she's talking about places that I'm familiar with I know that like our family has roots in Texas so she's like naming naming places in Texas Mm -hmm. or like Piedras Negras Coahuila like we used to visit there when we were kids so it's like we have roots there Mm -hmm. and she's like naming these places and then she gets adopted into a family and lives in Madison. And it's like, oh, oh wow. my gosh. Yeah. Like, That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> like, it literally could, yeah, like, you could know this person yeah. and could walk around with them. Yeah, yeah. or be a relative. I yeah. even told my sister, like, oh, they have their, like, we have a, uh, we actually have a last name in common. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, Honestly. Uh, yeah, it's just. <laughs> Do yeah. your own digging so, and researching. Yeah, it's like, mm. These have been such great selections. I, I honestly, like, now I'm inspired to read some of these seriously and not even just saying that. Books are not the only way you can support Milwaukee Latinx entrepreneurs. Coming up next, we have a catered selection of establishments that you should visit this month right after the break. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. Barbara and Valera always come through with killer recommendations. And if you liked any one of those books, make sure to put in your order at LaRevoBooks.com. But reading is not the only way you can find fulfillment this month. I'm here with the director of giving and advancement, Alma Velez, and she's going to give you her personal recommendations for this month. But Alma, I, I, I don't think I can answer this question, to be honest. Are you a Milwaukee native? No, I am not. Where are you from? So I was born in Baja. So I was born in Tijuana, Mexico. And that is a city, a border city. So I grew up um, in San Diego. So San Diego, Tijuana. So I was like, it was, I was, we call it ni de aquí, ni de allá. I'm not from here or from over there, <laughs> you know, because I had two cultures immersed. You know, San Diego is one of the most oh. uh, wealthiest. They have one of the wealthiest cities mm-hmm. in the country. And then you have Tijuana, which is very, uh, um, you know, a lot of people live in poverty. We're mm-hmm. very lucky, but, you know, the back and forth was something very 
different. Yeah. Girls, those that grew up in um, border towns know exactly what I'm talking about. So um, immigration is huge, you know, in those border towns. What brought you to Milwaukee then? You really want to know. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> An ex-husband. Oh. Yeah. So Sometimes it's that. Someone brings you here. So that, that and, and it didn't last very long, but I decided to stay with my son. Mm-hmm. I did not want to go back home. And I don't know if it's something to do with um, my culture or our culture. Mm-hmm. Where you feel like you disappointed your family. So you think, I'm going to do it on my own. I can yeah. do it on my own. Um, and that's what I did. I stayed with my with my son. He was about four by then. Came here at eight, He was 18 months. He was four by then. And I just decided to raise him on my own and um, make a path for myself. That's so powerful. You know, I'm, I'm a child of divorce. And I'm not sure if you can relate to this, but I suspect that you do. Uh, because a lot of our communities intersect in that way, uh, immigrant communities, BIPOC communities. But when my parents divorced, my dad's side of the family always said that you're your mom's daughter and vice versa. My mom's side of the family was you're your dad's daughter. And there was always this disconnect growing up. And um, and I know from experience that it takes a lot of courage to leave. And both my parents have struggled with stigmas growing up. So thank you for sharing that. We need to ensure that especially women when you get divorced you can't stay in a in a marriage that is abusive oh, or sure. you are if unhappy marriages really play a huge role in how they mold you as a person in the future so they mold mm-hmm. children so for me i didn't want my son growing up in that kind of environment and i decided to leave and i was very young but you know now i think back i'm like oh my goodness how did i do that and yeah. think that i could make it but i knew because of my upbringing, also a lot of strong women, even though they stayed in their marriages. But that takes strength too sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know. So I decided to do it, and I'll give you an example. My great, no, not my great grandmother, my grandmother was a single mother in the 60s, 50s, actually 1956. And she raised her son on her own. She was a nurse. So I knew that even though my grandmother wasn't alive anymore, that she'd be proud that I make decisions Mm -hmm. for myself. She sounds so lovely. I appreciate you shedding some light on that. So since you're not originally from here, do you consider Milwaukee your home? Yes, I always say, and I actually put it on my Instagram page. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know. Yeah, it's on my my Instagram page. But um, I, uh, a Cali girl, that made Milwaukee home. Okay. Because for me, it, it, this is home. I go back. I do go back. I do consider myself to, you know, I love my roots. I love going back and seeing my family and my brothers and, you know, our extended family, how much I come from a huge family. Mm-hmm. My mom was one of 15 on her side of the family. My dad was a single son. That's another story, but <laughs> um, I... I'm so grateful for that, you know, growing up, but I left at 19 and I had to build family somewhere and I found good people. And sometimes you have people that are there for a season and then Mm -hmm. they're gone, but they somehow you learn something out of that. And I feel very lucky and that I've encountered people that have only um, inspired me Mm -hmm. through my life. 
So this episode is about Latinx Heritage Month. And part of that means supporting communities. I know you have a few restaurants that you wanted to recommend. So let's get started. If someone was coming to Milwaukee and you wanted them to have the best experience eating um, Latinx cuisines, where would you take them? If I want a little bit more, uh, you know, finer dining with a mix of all these fusions, I would take them to Antigua in West Dallas. Ooh, I've never been. So Antigua has a fusion of, you know, great fusion. And they were actually just recently last year were uh, the Consulado Mexicano, the the Mexican consulate, awarded them because they give they also give back so much to the community. So that is a place that I would I think that if I wanted something more relaxed and, you know, a quick sandwich and the best walk in plantain chips, go to Comunitas downtown or you can go in Oak Creek. That's actually very delicious. I, re- I go to the Oak Creek one often with friends. Yes. And I don't know if you've heard too, and it's in West Alice, um, Chef Bas from Peru. Mm. Peru, uh, Peruan food. It's delicious. There's so many in Bayview as well. There's ceviche, which is a little bit more of scale. They have great drinks. Um, there's just so many. Socalo, if you want to really have a great time enjoying being with the community and music. And mm-hmm. it's just so artistic. Socalo uh, is so fantastic. Um, I love a bakery in town. And one of the reasons why I love these two gentlemen is because they do so much, not only for the community, but for the uh, Latino or Latinx LGBTQ community. And it's Todo Postres. And they are partners that really are amazing bakers. I mean, they are amazing. And they go all out. If you want a great cake, Tres Leches cake, that's your place. Good to know. I have a few parties I'm hosting soon, so I'll add that to the list. Alma has a ton of more recommendations and we honestly could go on for hours, but to make things a little bit easier for our listeners, we have the full exclusive compiled list on our website from restaurants to grocery stores to apparel. So make sure to check that out. Latinx Heritage Month is about celebrating the achievements of the Latinx community, and you can start doing that with Milwaukee's community. If you have time to pick up a book or eat at a local restaurant, I implore you to do so, because supporting community goes beyond a month. I'm your host, Salam Fatayer. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer. Kenny Perez, our audio engineer. Thank you for our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics on our wonderful logo was made by Aaron Bagada. And Dan Ryder handles our social media accounts. And a big special thank you to our city-loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Monday for our next episode.